on first so I can see this thing. All right, there's one, there's two. Yeah, the president went to uh, see the Screaming Eagles today, the 101st Airborne. What a history those guys got. Uh, to not only the 101st, but the 5th Special Forces are in Fort, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And they're great men, good fellas, tremendous history. And, and we're so proud of the president, the commander-in-chief, that you can respect and believe. And I, I like it when he talks to the military. The reason I like it so much is because I want to watch and see when he's going to start bawling. And you got to watch him. His chin there begin to quiver. He uh, he loves our military men. And, and there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that you don't know. And I get a lot of those reports. I have contact with a, a lot of men in the military, and I know a lot of things that goes on. And he does some things that you don't know about. And he doesn't do them for publicity. And he does things for our servicemen and, and gets together with them, meets with them that you don't know anything about. And I'm tremendously proud of our president. Thank God for him. It's so refreshing. Well, are you a Christian? That's a good question. And, and a lot of people say they're Christians and they're not. They think they are, and they're not. And I, I wouldn't try to talk you out of that at all. But if you become a child of God, something happens to you. You become a new creation in Christ Jesus. A new creation in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that, that the true worshiper must. That means they can't have it. That's what it means. They, they must worship him in, in spirit and in truth. Now, now, I want you to understand that spirit is not talking about the Holy Spirit. Most people think, yeah, you've got to have the Holy Ghost and truth. That, that's not what he's talking about. That's a little S. You look in your Bible. It's not a capital S. It's a little S. It's talking about the spirit of man. Now, now what that means is, if you haven't been born again into the family of God, you're dead in trespasses and in sin, and you can't worship God. You've got to be reborn, seriously. And that's what's important. You see, man is a trichotomy. He, he's a body, a soul, and a spirit. But because of sin, he's spiritually separated from God. And what he needs is birth. He needs to be born again. He has to be reborn spiritually, or he can't worship God. Now, you're here today, tonight. Some of you are body, a soul, and a spirit. Alive in Christ, and God is in you. And some of you are body and a soul. And you're spiritually dead. Now, now this is very important, and, and, and you need to understand it. I'm going to preach a short message, but you must be born again. You must be born again. You must, you must be born again. There's no way, two ways about that. And, and when you become a child of God, God takes up His abode in you. Did you hear what I said? All 
almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, he lives in you. Now, how can God start living in me and me not know it? Almighty God, almighty God is living in me. And when did that start? When I got born again. That's when it started. I, I can remember when it happened. Amen. I know when it, I didn't get religion. I didn't turn over a new leaf. I didn't become a better person. I got reborn. I got saved. Now I want to ask you, have you ever been born again? Have you ever become a new creature, a creation in Christ? That's very important. I, I don't want anyone to leave here tonight lost. You may never have another opportunity to get born into the family of God. I, I want you to know beyond any shadow of a doubt when you leave here tonight that you are a child of God. And you realize it's not because of anything you did. Are you listening to me? It, it's not because of anything you did. Because of what someone did for you. Take your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 23. I want to preach on the three crosses. I won't preach long. I won't go in any great depth. I just want to show you a simple picture. I'm going to talk about three people. And you are represented by one of them. Which one? It's very important that you know. What have you done with Christ? Getting saved, being born into the family of God, is not intellectual. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That word believe does not mean you absorb the historical facts. I, I believe in George Washington, but I've never met him. You hear what I'm saying? I, I've never met him. I, I've read about him. I, I've talked about him, but, but I've never met him. I met the Lord. I know whom, not what, not what, not what. I know whom I have believed. The word believed means to trust in, rely on, and cling to. That's what it means. It's not in an intellectual knowledge. It's not historical facts. So I, I want you to see that. Luke chapter number 23, I'll begin reading with verse number 27. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For, behold, the days are coming in the which they shall say, 
Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear and the paths which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hill, cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. That's not male factors. Uh, some people think that it's malefactor can be a male or a female. It means evildoer. It's malefactors. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots, and the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saves others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, Save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God? Seeing thou art in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Oh, God, I can't say this. Lord, you can, and I pray that you will. I, I pray, our God, that you'll use this word in quick hearts and, and draw sinners unto thee. And God, that you might remind us again where you found us, where you brought us from, and God, how you did it. Help us to see, God, tonight that that you're not only our shepherd and, and not only our, our, our savior, but God, you're also our substitute. You took our place. Oh, Father, I pray you'll help us to see all that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus didn't die alone on Mount Calvary. On that day of the great crucifixion, he wasn't the only one there, and I, I'm convinced in my heart that God had a reason for that, and he wanted to show us something. And there were three that are mentioned here uh, that were crucified that day. The crosses, well, they're basically the same. I know, I know the artists want to paint them differently and make them look different, but basically the crosses were, were exactly the same. And the methods that the Romans used, I were exactly the same. They, they'd been using them for a long time. Crucifixion was a normal thing that they did. 
boy, how very different. Although the our crosses were the same and the methods were the same, boy, there's a difference in the three men that were on the cross. There was the cross of rebellion. And that's what sin is. Our sin is saying, God, I don't want you telling me what to do. I, I don't want you leading my life. I want you to get me out of hell, and I want you to get me into heaven, but I don't want you to get heaven in me. See, that's the difference. We believe this, and we believe that, but we don't want God in us. We are rebelling against the authority of God, and we see that on one of the cross. There was the cross of rebellion. That's what sin is. Then there was the cost of repentance. And that's what sinners must do. Amen. Unless ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. And then, of course, there's the cost of redemption. And that's what sinners receive. Amen. I'm redeemed. Thank God the price was paid. Somebody bought me. Somebody paid for me. And somebody set me free. That's the man on the middle cross. You study Matthew chapter number 27. You see that Calvary is a place of shame. And Calvary is a place of suffering. And Calvary is a place of sorrow. And Calvary is a place of sacrifice. But thank God, Calvary is a place of salvation. There's no place, any other place, that anybody can go and be born again apart from Calvary. There's no salvation anywhere else. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah number 53, 700 years before Calvary, he looked back at what took place. Hey, he didn't know what crucifixion was. <laughs> that Romans brought that in hundreds of years later. But boy, God knew what it was. God knew exactly what it was. You see, Christ is the Lamb that was slain before the very foundation of the world. I I'm saying to you tonight that before God created the first sinner, he already had a Savior. Well, if I had time, I'd give you a little theology. In the beginning, God. That means before there ever was anything, God. In the beginning, God. Then you go over to uh, the Gospel of John, and it says, In the beginning was the Word. Hallelujah. But before anything was, the Word was. He's the lamb that was slain before the very foundation of the world. I, I want to give you a couple things tonight. Listen, I'm not going to preach long, but I want you to hear what I'm saying. First of all, notice the important position. The important position, verse number 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactor. And the Bible points this out very clearly. One on the right hand and one on the left. Now, there's reason for that. He was born among sinners. He lived among sinners. And he died between sinners. Hey, this is the plan of God uh, that he died on that middle cross. The Bible says one malefactor on the right. 
one evildoer, one sinner, one wicked person on his side. Then the Bible says, one malefactor on the left. Another wicked, then a good sinner and a bad, a good thief and a bad thief. We're both rotten to the core. Then the Bible says there's one middle man in the center. <laughs> Hallelujah! Isaiah 53, 12 tells us about, about that middle man. Amen? I, they put him in the middle, but I, I said he looked like the worst of the bunch. Yeah. They put him in the middle so he looked like the leader of the pack. But God put him in the middle. Absolutely on, pers- on purpose. There is one mediator. Word mediator means middle man. Hallelujah. One middle man. It means go between. There ain't several go between. Between God and man. Between dust and deity. There's one. And he's on that middle call. No other way to be saved. Jesus is in the middle because he's the only one that can bridge the gap between God and man. First Timothy 2, 5 and 6, for there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Let me give you this, and I'll go to my next point. The cross on the left for the wages of sin. The cross on the right, but the gift of God, hallelujah, is eternal life. And then the cross in the center through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hey, he wasn't on that middle cross by accident. They didn't just stick him up there uh, for no reason. God had that in his purpose and his plan to show us there's nobody else that can get out to God except Christ. So we see the important position. But then second, notice the ignorant persecution. I, I won't go in depth. I'll just give you this quickly. The chief priests and scribes thought how they might kill him. He never did anything wrong. Never. Never hurt anyone. Had great compassion and love. Performed wonderful miracles. But they wanted to kill him. Is any surprise there's persecution today? None at all. Judas, uh, Judas Iscariot betrayed him. The captains arrested him. The multitude accused him. Some pitied him. Some women mourned for him. But nobody stopped his execution. Herod and his men mocked him. The crowd rejected him. Free Barabbas! Free Barabbas! I don't know if this is true, but I read it. That there was a priest by the name of Rabbis. Uh, uh, Bar means the son. Uh, Barabbas means the son of Rabbis. Uh, and, and there was a, a, a priest uh, named Rabbis or similar to that who had a son. And they say, this is him. Which one do you want to free? Do, do you want to free the son of religion? Or do you want to free the son of God? Which do you want to set free? Religion or God? Which one? Set Barabbas free. Free Barabbas. Let Barabbas go. Man, the world don't mind religion. But they don't want God. 
Pilate sentenced him. The soldiers scoffed at him and, and spat on him and slugged him and, and stripped him and tagged him. Thirty-nine licks. They put a crown upon his head and a, a, a robe on his bloody back and a, a reed in his hand. And they smote him with a reed and led him away to Galgotha, the skull. And they nailed him to an old rugged cross. He didn't look like a human. He looked like ground-up meat. And the terrible thing, I understand this, this film, The Passion of Christ, depicts as best as you could what he looked like. The people threw He's hanging on the cross, and of course they put the spikes in a place, and, and, and people on the cross died of, uh, of suffocation. They, they had to pull themselves and push themselves up of the breeze, and he's on that cross, and, and he, he's just barely alive, and, and he's pulling himself up, and, and he's breathing. your substitute. He was dying for every lie you ever told, every time you were disobedient, every evil thought you ever had. He bore it himself on the cross. Everyone, instead of bitterness and anger and retaliation and hate, Jesus said, Father, instead of struggling and fighting and cursing the cross, Jesus was like a lamb being led to the slaughter. Instead of cursing God for his predicament, he said, Father, instead of fear of death, he was calm and had victory. Number three, stay with me. First, the important position. Second, the ignorant persecution. And third, the illustrated part. Oh, this is what God wants us to see. What are you going to do with that man on the cross? What choice are you going to make? You you have a volition. You have a, a free will. God by His grace. Hey, we're all saved by grace. God by His grace gave us a volition. Gave us a choice. You choose. Nobody else to choose for you. God won't choose for you. You choose yourself. By the grace of God. Verse number 39, and one of the malefactors which uh, were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answer and rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God? Seeing thou art in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, we, we deserve to be here. For we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing. The thief was a dying man, and the thief was a discerning man. And thank God the thief became a delivered man. Amen. I, I want to point out three things here. First, the repentance of the thief is revealed. There was concern for the other. There was the condition of himself. 
I deserve to be here. Verse number 41. There was the con- a confession of the innocence of Christ. He hath done nothing. We were calling out in prayer. Verse 42, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. By coming in humility. Just remember me. Don't deserve nothing else. So the repentance of the thief is revealed. But then the righteousness of the thief is realized. He didn't have any. He didn't have any righteousness. I, I deserve what I'm getting. I'm a bad man. I, I ought to die. Wow. He was a wicked sinner and a thief and maybe a murderer. He had nothing in his past that, uh, that could commend him. Nothing. He had nothing in his present position that could commend him. He's on the cross. Huh. And he had absolutely nothing in his limited future. He had no time to join a church. He couldn't get baptized. He couldn't do any good works. What he needed was grace. He needed everything for nothing. He needed the mercy of God. I don't deserve to go to heaven. I deserve to go to hell. And don't we all? Wow, he's a man after my own heart. The repentance of the thief is revealed, the righteousness of the thief is realized, and the regeneration of the thief is received. Look at verse number 43. And Jesus said unto him, There, that means truly, that means amen. Verily I, I say unto thee, Today, today, shalt thou be with me in paradise. Oh, man, what a day. Morning and sin. Noon and grace. And evening and glory. That's the best day he ever had, amen. The best day he ever had. That's the best day I ever had. Are you listening to me? He was promised admission to the best place. Paradise. He was promised admission at the best time. Today, mission in the best company with me, amen. You're going with me today to paradise. Hallelujah. But you can't improve on that. The thief was promised more than he asked for, and he got it sooner than he expected. (laughs) Number four, I'm almost through. The important position, the ignorant persecution... The illustrated pardon, the illuminated pardon, I'm sorry, and the illustrated parallel. God wants us to see that. Both thieves cried out for salvation. Verse 39, and one of the malefactors which hanged railed on him saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and I. One cried out in mockery, this Verse number 42. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Huh. Man, this wasn't nothing he believed. He cried out in humility. Ah! The other said, this one said me. Me. Remember me. He was promised. (laughs) He got what he was promised. Amen. One thinking of physical self, 
the other of spiritual death. One in doubt, if thou be, the other in faith, Lord, Lord. Both thieves cried out for salvation. Both thieves were equally near Christ and had exactly the same opportunity to get saved. You realize that? There's people going to leave here tonight without Christ and die and go to hell. You have the same opportunity to get saved as I did. The same opportunity to hear and see the same things that I heard and said and saw. But you'll walk out of here without Christ. You'll walk out of here lost on your way to hell. Both of these guys had the same privilege. Yet one of them died without Christ. Stay with me. Number three, both thieves saw and heard all that happened that Christ was crucified. Both thieves were wicked, condemned sinners needing salvation. But only one got saved. Last of all, this is very short, but you're going to have to listen very close. The impressive picture. God has shown us a great deal on that hill. Those three crosses and those three men that died showed us a great deal about ourselves and about our need. If we look very clearly, we can see it. On one cross was an impenitent thief. Sin on him and in him. He still had that. On one cross was a penitent thief. Sin in him, but not on him. It was on Christ. <laughs> on the middle cross was a mediator and a savior. Sin on him, but not in him. Amen. <laughs> Boy, did we see something. One died in sin. One died saved from sin. And one died for sin. One died in scorn. One died in salvation. And one died in sacrifice. One died a blasphemer. One died a believer. One died a benefactor. One cross of rejection. One cross of reception. And one cross of redemption. Praise the Lord. One cross held a dying sinner. One cross held a dying saint. One cross held a dying Savior. Come on to the piano tonight. You're on one of those crosses. And you're going to die. Every man on that hill died. One died and went to heaven. One died and went to hell. If you died tonight, have you been born again? Have you passed from death unto life? Hey, children, you're not going to be condemned. The Bible says you're condemned already. If you're expecting God to be nice to you later on, and he can't do it because you are already dead in trespasses and in sins. The only thing left for you is the great white throne judgment. 
to be cast into the lake of fire. And the great white throne judgment is not there to determine whether or not you're going to heaven or, or hell. It's there to give you an opportunity to plead your case. But you have no case to plead. Have you been born again? Let's stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. We've learned many things, many Bible truths tonight. You come pray. If you're saved and you can get a hold of God, come pray. Come pray that God will help that sinner to see the man on the sinner cross. Are you saved? How many of you tonight can raise your hand and say, Preacher, I remember when my life changed and I became a child of God. Would you raise your hand? I know I'm saved. You put your hand down. No one's looking. Every eye closed. I won't embarrass you or come to you or point you out in any way. Is there someone here tonight say, Preacher, I'm not a Christian and I want you to pray for me. Would you raise your hand? I'm not saved. Just lift it up very quickly and put it down. I'm not saved. I'm not saved. I'm not sure if I'm saved. Anyone? Maybe there's someone here tonight say, Preacher, I am saved. But I've been out of fellowship with God and I've lost the joy of my salvation. I'd like you to pray for me. Would you lift your hand? Yes. God bless you. Someone else. God bless you. Someone else, just raise your hand very quickly. I, I don't have the joy I once had. Pray for me. God bless you, man. Someone else. I have been growing. My fellowship with God hasn't been what it should be. Would you pray for me? Just lift your hand, put it down very quickly. Anyone else? Our Heavenly Father, oh God, I pray for any that might be here that aren't Christians. Well, there's no way we can bring conviction on their heart. There's no way we can show them their need. God, you can. We pray that you will. And Father, it's so easy to wander away from you and take our eyes off of you. Lord, help us. Forgive us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Help us to live victoriously. Lord, bless this invitation. Bless the preachers that come. Thank you.